This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better it was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly so you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues including cuts scrapes burns sunburns rashes other types of skin damage it's totally safe non-toxic suitable on all types of skin even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin this is also safe for the young members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients, active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family. So to get your own active skin repair, go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20% off your order when you use the code shameless. That's activeskinrepair.com. Use the code shameless for 20% off your order. Activeskinrepair.com, code shameless. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 242 with Rachel Paz. Show notes for this episode, including all links mentioned in the episode and any discount codes for our sponsors can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 242. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Rachel Paz is a relationship readiness coach for independent women who feel like finding companionship and intimacy is impossible without settling. Rachel didn't magically know exactly what she wanted in a relationship or how to get it, but a divorce and entering the dating world again were a wake-up call to address the fear of intimacy she had experienced her whole life. To get at the root of the issue, she broke down everything she did in relationships to figure out the reason why behind it. Along the way, Rachel realized that everything she did in relationships that had her feeling like she was settling were actually behaviors that inherently avoided intimacy. Through identifying the patterns of these self-sabotaging behaviors and practicing alternative ways of doing things, she developed a sense of loyalty to herself that had never been there before, leading her to have deeper and more fulfilling relationships than she ever thought possible. Now, Rachel leads women on this journey of examining who they are and who they want to be in their relationships, clearing out what's in the way and attracting partners that fit. She loves to see women unravel the intricacies of what they want, 
break patterns, and learn the skills to feel ready to love again without sacrificing themselves in the process. In this interview, Rachel gets extremely open, honest, and vulnerable in sharing her story and her path to a much better life through the demise of her marriage and finding herself finally through orgasmic meditation. Yes, you heard that right. So this episode is very intentionally labeled explicit because we will be diving deep into some of this and you do not want little ears around, but it is a fascinating story. And I'm so, so grateful to Rachel for coming on and sharing openly because I think this is going to blow some of your minds. Rachel's dad was a priest before having a family and Rachel had always led a repressed, albeit very comfortable and controlled life, but she was not happy or fulfilled. And she shares her defining moments today in this interview. If this conversation makes you uncomfortable, you might want to stick around. And it might mean that you really need to hear some of the message behind Rachel's story. This is a powerful conversation and it might hit home in ways that you did not think possible. So listen in to hear Rachel share why and how she started practicing orgasmic meditation, how the practice of orgasmic meditation helped her reprioritize her whole life and discover her true preferences and passions for the first time ever, the common traits and struggles of an independent, often proudly shameless woman, and how to rectify these, why identifying as an independent woman might actually be harming you more than helping you, the eight steps to take responsibility for the relationships in your life, and the one step you can take today to start getting more of what you truly want in your life. So this was a fascinating conversation. I'm very excited to share it with you. Like I said, it's not a conversation for little people's ears. So for mature audiences only, there's definitely some explicit conversation in here with a lot of sexual references. So with all that said, let's dive in with Rachel Paws. Rachel Paz, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thanks. I'm so happy to be here. This is going to be fun. You sent me an amazing email to talk about being on the show. And like I said in our pre-interview, I read it multiple times because I was like, oh my gosh, there's so much good stuff to dive into. So I'm very excited. Okay. (laughs) No pressure. (laughs) Cover it all. (laughs) So to kick us off, why don't you tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now? Uh, Well, it's this really beautiful relationship that I've entered into with myself in terms of running a business around relationships. It means that I have both the standard for myself of like holding myself accountable to my relationships and the way that I would coach people to do that. So it's kind of constantly in my face, like, Oh, you know, like, are you doing that in the way that you really want to show up in this particular relationship? And so that's been sometimes fun, sometimes maddening, (laughs) like, damn it. Sometimes hard. A little bit. Yeah. But I also feel like it's probably, you know, been divinely selected so that I can have the relationships that I want, right? It keeps me really focused on like, some of the really entrenched patterns that get in there. In terms of like real specifics, last week, I had this conversation with this man, who I'm not currently dating. (laughs) Um, And I basically... Well, before I tell you what I said to him, I mean, like the whole idea is that I had this experience of sharing with him what I really, really like wanted with him that had nothing 
Like I had no inclination going into this conversation, how he would react, what his response was going to be and whether he wanted the same thing. Right. So like probably the gutsiest thing I've ever done. I was in my just going to say, like, you're saying it really matter of fact. And I feel like <laughs> I'm like nervous for you right now. <laughs> well, I had to get on board with the idea that like I was doing it for me and not for the outcome. Okay. And so as soon as I could get behind myself and that way, it was a lot easier to deliver. It wasn't any less nerve wracking. His response didn't really matter to me all that much. Right. And so I, you know, I was telling him like, I want to brush our teeth together at night and I want to build a life with you. And like, there was all these really mundane, but also these really like huge, significant pieces to it. And it felt so freaking good. Wow. And what was his response? Well, that's all still unfolding a little bit. (laughs) I mean, I stunned him into speechlessness. So we'll just say, you know, his words are coming back to him slowly. So we'll see. So this is someone you were in a relationship with leading up to this, presumably. He's someone I've been in relationship with before. We have a really special connection. Okay. We're not currently in relationship. Okay. Okay. So now we need to back up. (laughs) I love that you just dove right into like the meat of it. So let's back up and talk a little bit about what got you to where you're at now, because this is what was so compelling to me when you reached out to me was kind of the backstory that got you to where you're at right now. So your personal and professional life took pretty major pivots over the last few years. Tell us about that journey. And you could speak specifically, you emailed to me about a really specific conversation that you had with your husband at the time in a therapist's office. So let's go there and work forward. (laughs) Let's see, had been married, had known my husband for, I don't know, over a decade, we'd been together, had been married for several years, had a two-year-old at the time, and our marriage was struggling. It wasn't going so well. Neither one of us were particularly happy. And so we were in marriage counseling together. And, you know, there was one day where our therapist gave us each these worksheets and the worksheets were lists of characteristics and values. And we were asked to read each one and make an assessment about whether they were things that our parents had valued and celebrated within us or had really reinforced with us. We were asked, you know, were you shamed by any of these things? Were these topics completely avoided? (laughs) And so, you know, there were things like responsibility and hard work and creative expression, things like that. Mm. And, you know, so I was like, oh, well, yeah, I can totally answer all of these. Of course, I'm really good at hard work. (laughs) And, and, And then I got to the part, I can't remember the exact wording, but it said something like sexual expression. And I was like, oh, fuck, (laughs) this is why we are sitting here today. (laughs) Like I knew in an instant that that was a really core reason that my marriage was not doing well. And I had this really private moment to myself of like, it doesn't matter whether I come out of this still married or not. Like, I'm going to focus on this thing because it matters for the life that I want to have. And it matters for the partner that I'm with, whether that's my current husband or not. And so I didn't know quite how I was going to do that at the time. But fast forward a little bit, we didn't end up getting divorced. And Maybe a year later, I ran into this practice, oddly enough, meeting with a group of moms called orgasmic meditation. And let's see, orgasmic meditation is a, I'm just going to share what it is, and then I'll sort of talk about my foray into it. It's a partnered practice 
And a woman undresses from the waist down, lays down on a yoga mat and a blanket and butterflies her legs open on some with some throw pillows. And then there's a stroker and the stroker can either be male or female. So this is not necessarily someone that you're in a relationship with. This is like a group setting or a one-on-one <laughs> setting? There are opportunities for both. Okay. There's a community of people that have been trained to practice this okay. practice. Okay. And there are different configurations of how that happens. Okay. So the stroker sits next to the woman and basically strokes the upper left-hand quadrant of her clitoris for 15 minutes with no goal in mind. Okay. <laughs> right? Fascinating. So, I'm right? imagining like a stranger doing this to me and then other people watching or is it just like it's a private session? So my path with it was that I hired a coach to learn the practice. And so I was trained. So the first session was very conceptual. And then my homework was go find a partner. And I was like, Oh Oh my gosh. (laughs) Who do you ask? (laughs) And so I had been introduced to a local community of people who did it. Okay. I sent messages to a couple of men who were practicing I had the fortunate, well, I don't know if it was fortunate or not, but I definitely was like, I need to choose the oldest, most unattractive. (laughs) There was something really threatening to me about doing it for the first time with somebody that I might be potentially attracted to. Right, right. And so I had a phone call with a man and he seemed normal enough. And on a Saturday afternoon, I went to his house and we Skyped in our trainer and (laughs) she guided a session And that was that. And then I was considered trained and I went out into the world and practiced this with other people in the community. And it changed my life profoundly. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I have so many questions and I know everyone listening is, (laughs) everyone listening is going to want me to ask a lot of things. So I'm trying to think of like, what will everyone want to know? So thank you for sharing this because this is really vulnerable and really personal. So I appreciate that you are like, let's just dive into this. So how did you get from recognizing that this was something in your, that intimacy or sex was something in your marriage that was a struggle for you to like the next step being this, like a community orgasmic meditation versus like, maybe I should just do some therapy for a while. (laughs) Because I feel like there's a bit of a leap. Yeah. Yeah. I did skip over that part. So I have a group of mamas that I have gathered with regularly since our children were infants. And my son is now nine. And uh, we were gathering one evening at my house and a girlfriend of mine was talking about she had been visiting some friends and one of them had a book, Tim Ferriss's Four Hour Body. Oh, yeah. And in that book is a chapter about orgasm. Okay. Or sex. I think orgasm. I have the and book, it, but I obviously haven't read that chapter. <laughs> you're like, I don't need that. Uh, I think I've only read like two chapters of the book because the book, it's quite long. <laughs> yes, yes. But he specifically references this practice. Okay. So my girlfriend's talking about it. She's like, I don't know. It's this thing where, you know, like the woman takes off her pants and the man strokes her clitoris and that's it. And so there were a group of, I don't know, six or seven of us. I'm left with my jaw hanging on the floor. And nobody else skips a beat. And the next one was like, so I'm working on this embroidery project. And I was like, what? What? <laughs> Did nobody just hear what she said? Right, right. And so, you know, I let it go, but I had captured enough of what she had said to like store the name of the website in my brain. And after everyone left my house that night, of course, I was like on Google, like a fiend. <laughs> I started watching videos and I was really curious 
But one of the things that happened, you know, as I was sort of learning about it was this little voice that was like, this is going to change your life. And, you know, I am a person that has historically been kind of disconnected from hearing that voice very frequently, but I know when I hear it to listen to it. So it was just that like, okay, well, you're going to do this thing. And if you don't like it, then you don't have to keep doing it. But I was so fascinated by it that I couldn't not. And I think it's so interesting that my sense is that like identifying yourself sexually was maybe something that was kind of repressed prior to this. For sure. That- my dad is an ex-Catholic priest. Oh my gosh. My mom is an ex-nun. <laughs> <gasps> this is so crazy. So yeah. So if you're repressing that, then especially fascinating that you would go again to this, like, you know, kind of this extreme leap. And did that feel scary and uncomfortable? Because it sounds terrifying to me. <laughs> I was terrified. So at the time I was living, I had to take a ferry to get into Seattle. And the person that I was partnering with the first time actually lived in Kirkland, so east of Seattle. So I had an hour drive, a 30 minute ferry ride, and then another like 45 minutes to get where I was going. And so I had a long time after I had actually committed to heading this direction where I was like, oh my God. And I found myself this is so weird. I found myself doing like a kirtan chant on the ferry because I had some downloaded on my phone that I used to use with my child to help him go to sleep. Oh my God. But it was like soothing myself (laughs) because I was freaking out so bad. I was like, you're going to go take off your pants for a stranger and you have no idea what's going to happen. Right. Okay. So then, so you go and you do it. So what was that first experience like? It was kind of an out of body experience in the sense that like, I had to really stay with the steps like, okay, the next thing that you're going to do is you're going to take off your pants and then you're going to lay down here and then you're going to take a deep breath. And I had this coach, right, who at the time was, you know, she was guiding it all. She was like, okay, now breathe and just try to relax. And and she was also coaching my partner, even though he had already been trained. And I felt really safe and really well cared for. And while I was absolutely nervous, It didn't feel particularly threatening, if that makes sense. And did it feel sexual? No, not at all. (laughs) So that's the thing. I think that like all of us are imagining like, okay, so she's like kind of having sex in front of people with strangers. But yeah, so what did it feel like? Because yeah, tell us what it felt like. It's actually really common in the way that our society tends to look at and do sex by and large is that Women get overstimulated often, especially in the clitoral area. People use too much pressure. Mm. And so oftentimes the nerves around the clitoris are actually really tight and numb. And so the stroke that you would use in orgasmic meditation is as light as you would use to like stroke your eyebrow, right? So it's not very much pressure at all. And so there's a lot of what's referred to as uh, thawing actually, where you're just like, where it's so subtle that you can't feel it and you just keep with it until you can feel it. Mm. So no, it wasn't particularly sexual. It wasn't like there was no earth moving, ground shaking, anything. Okay. But it also was, I don't know that I even have words for it. The idea while you're doing it, the point is to focus on the point of connection and to pay attention to what you feel in your body. And connection with yourself or I'm assuming versus connection with the stroker. 
Well, connection, the point where the stroker's finger is actually touching your clitoris. So you're supposed to be just sort of focused there. Like if you think about it in a typical meditation, you might be focused on like a third eye point or something. Okay. For this, it's focused on that point of where there's actual physical connection. Okay. But no, I was feeling, while I wasn't feeling necessarily sexually aroused, I was feeling a lot of sensation in my body. And the, so like tingles in my shoulders or like heat in my calves or like all kinds of things. And so there were enough clues that led me to know that there was value there and that building up some consistency with it would shift something. Oh, interesting. So did 15 minutes feel like a really long time? Because in that time it did. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like in that because it's so extremely vulnerable. I feel like 15 minutes could feel like maybe 15 years. Yeah. And it's really hard to get out of your head, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, it's hard to stop the voices like, oh, am I doing it right? Does everything look okay? Right. A common one is how do I smell? You know, like there's yeah. a lot of women have a lot of self-consciousness around that arena of their bodies. Right. And um, so, you know, it's hard to turn off the voice that is questioning whether it's all fine. Right. And then when you're done the guy and you just like high five and you leave? (laughs) Well, the way that you close the practice is by sharing what's called a frame. And a frame is a moment where you felt something. So if I had had a moment where I'd felt some tightness in my shoulders, I might say that he would acknowledge that he heard it, he would share something. And then I would put my pants back on and go on about my life. Oh my gosh, this is so fascinating. (laughs) Was this at this guy's like house or his office? It was at his house. Because I'm also thinking as just like a local resident, about like your neighbor who just has all these women coming in for these appointments. And then you're telling your neighbor, you're like, well, I'm just an orgasmic meditation stroker. And yeah, it's totally normal. So, conversation. Right, right. So normal. This is so interesting. Okay, so you left. And then did you think, like, I want to continue down? Like, what were you thinking in terms of next steps or... Like what opened up for you after that appointment? So I continued to do it once every week or so for a little while and things really started to shift. And at first really small things, right? Like I would be like, oh, I want to have lasagna for dinner, right? And I'm a person that like had was so shut off from what I wanted in the world Mm -hmm. that like deciding what was for dinner, like it was always sort of like a random decision. It wasn't like, oh, I really want this thing. Um, And I started to notice that I was just being pulled into these directions by what it was that I wanted, right? So I wanted to go be out in fresh air every day and I wanted to do yoga every day and I wanted to eat lasagna or I wanted to like spend some time with my friends. And so stuff started to just kind of unfurl and I tried mostly to follow those signals and sort of see where I would end up. And, you know, three months later, I quit my job. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I quit my job. I was running operations and marketing for a business consulting firm. And I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done here. (laughs) And I didn't know what was next. And so I started down this path of just like feeling it out. But it really made clear that like, the things that I had been tolerating in my life that weren't working were no longer an option. 
This is so amazing. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants minutes than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer endocrine system disruption and liver toxicity which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special unique and important in terms of how they are able to filter water they also have water purifiers to fit every type of home so like the installation free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options they even have wi-fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options so I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. Mm -hmm. And I love what you said about that you started recognizing having preferences for things because that is some of the feedback that I get so commonly or probably some of the most common feedback I get is that moms in particular don't recognize their own preferences Mm -hmm. because like there's a certain time in motherhood where you can't have preferences because you have to like keep a baby alive. Yeah. (laughs) And then sometimes you just never get past that. Like you just stay in that place forever where you're like, I'll just do what they all want and what they all need. And then you like literally don't even know what you want for dinner. Exactly like you said. And so 
I think that this idea of like starting to recognize that you have preferences and like I need fresh air and I want the lasagna and all that, those are really, really big things. And for people that have never had that experience of like not having preferences, it probably seems kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> but if I can't tell you how common it is for me to hear from people who are like, I mean, I'm thinking of one woman in particular who's like, my kids are in their 20s and I don't know what brings me joy. I don't know what makes me happy. I don't have a hobby. I don't even know how to find a hobby. I don't know what I want for dinner because I'm so used to making dinner for my kids or my husband that I can't even make a choice for myself. And so this is not an uncommon experience. Mm -mm. And so to start to wake that up is really challenging. And also there's not like a super clear template for like, okay, if you want to start recognizing your preferences and your passions and how to find joy and all that, just follow these three simple steps. <laughs> like <laughs> it really is different for everyone. And it takes really being conscientious about this is what you're focusing on right now. And that you're really going to prioritize yourself in different ways. And this is definitely the most unique way I've ever heard of someone getting to that point, but it makes so much sense that it would allow you to open up in new and different ways. And I totally love the point of connection between like finding this side of yourself in this new environment and then how it touched so many other aspects of your life. Yeah, for sure. Changed everything. So, so cool. Okay. So you talk about really suppressing your sexuality, really suppressing like, you know, what your preference was are and what you wanted to eat for dinner. So you also talk about identifying as an independent woman, and there's certain struggles around that. And I definitely identify as an independent woman. And I know that we have a lot of people who listen to this show, we kind of fiercely protect our independence. And because that's part of being shameless in, to many of us, I think. Yeah. So what are some of the common traits around women who fiercely protect their independence? And what are some of the struggles around that? Because I don't think I'm alone. I think a lot of people wear independence as a badge of honor in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. but there might be some downfalls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go, ahead yeah. And, go ahead and break For it to sure. us. <laughs> well, one of the things that I have come to, I think, appreciate so much about independent women is I think that uh, protecting it fiercely speaks really directly to caring deeply about something in the world, whether that's like their life purpose and their work or, you know, their social circle, or it doesn't really matter what the thing is, but they care a lot. And so the idea behind like setting up this, you know, barrier around those things is because they want to protect that thing. And, you know, a lot of independent women, I think, they're super capable, right? They're smart. They can do for themselves, right? But somehow got attached. I have to do it because I can, I should. And because it's become this badge where you get to prove that because you can, you will, and everybody will, you know, maybe pat you on the back for that at some point, which doesn't tend to work out quite that way. And then that's why we're really pissed off uh, eventually. Yeah. I would say the things that they struggle with by and large, in addition to feeling like they have to do everything themselves, like it's because they can, there's no room for other people to do it right, right? They have strong preferences around what the right way to do something is. Um, they're super, they struggle with vulnerability, right? Like because they don't want to show weakness. And it's the place where we acknowledge that, you know, vulnerability is like, hey, I might need some help here, or there's something that I need from you, or there's a place that I feel unsure. And 
man, when you are constantly trying to prove yourself, your worth in the world, that like showing that you are somehow less than by offering up that you have a weakness, um, is really, really confronting. Um, and then the other thing is just being really afraid that, um, uh, one of the things that independent women tend to do really well is they know what they're good at and they know what they're not good at. And so they tend to move toward the things that they're good at. Um, sometimes with some rigidity, right. And, and avoiding the things that they don't do kind of at all costs. It's I'm sort like of like totally, <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm laughing, um, over here as you basically describe me perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> rigidity around doing That's things I'm perfect. good at. What? <laughs> And so, so then we experience huge amounts of discomfort anytime we're sort of pushed into a different lane. Yeah. And, um, it's one of the reasons that, you know, um, independent women are really, um, adamant about not settling in relationships and what they want in their relationships and what they're willing to do and not do in their relationships. They're sort of a like, okay, here, here are my building blocks to success and I don't need any more blocks. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to hold on to these cause I know how these work and, um, and I know what results they get me. Um, but the, the really unfortunate thing about that is that it often leads to, um, I would say just, um, a, a less broad range of experience. And, and I think like independent women don't always do a great job at letting people in and letting people support them and, and having that experience in life is, a really, really beautiful one. And I think one that, you know, everybody should be able to have if they want it. Right. Yeah. I've noticed. Um, so there's maybe a fine line between being independent and being controlling. And <laughs> I know that early on when my husband and I were dating, um, I said something to him, it wasn't super early on. It's probably like a year or two in, but I said, I was like, how come you never surprise me and just like make us a special dinner? Mm. And he's like, if I were to do that, you would want to know like if the meat was grass fed, how much butter I put in, like you would have so many questions and you would even something like not right or appropriate for you. And you'd want to go change it or fix it or whatever. So he's like, that wouldn't be fun for either of us. He's like, I can surprise you and like take you to dinner or something, but I'm not going to like make you a candle at dinner at home and be like, surprise, because he's like, you, you want to control all that. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Actually never surprise me by making me dinner. I'm totally <laughs> fine with that. I love that he knew that so early. He totally knew it. And it was really eye opening to me. And I've thought of it a lot over the years. And especially since having a child, I complain all the time about how I hate that dinner has to happen every day because it's such a pain. And he'll say like, I'll do dinner. But I'm like, well, what are you going to do? Like, you're going to go to Taco Bell and get like family dinner at the drive through. And so like, for me, it's just easier to like control it. Because like you said, it's like, it's less risky. And it's I don't have to be vulnerable or about anything or rely on anyone or like set expectations and be disappointed and all those kinds of things. So I just do it. It's just easier to do it myself and be better about it. <laughs> Yes. And it's a much more refined skill to like teach somebody how to do it the way you like it or to right. like convey how important it is to you that it's done a certain way or, right. you know, it's so much harder, right? Because it makes us that much more human because yeah. in the face of communicating th those things, basically what we're asking is like, do I mean enough to you? Like, do you love me enough to do it this way? And, right. and that's super confronting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's such a great point. We actually had a conversation 
a while ago about sharing the laundry duties a little more evenly. And one of the things that came out of that was that he was going to start washing our sheets instead of me adding that to the laundry I was already doing for our son. And so then he started washing the sheets, but then they would like be in a pile until after he washed them, they would just sit in a pile until the cleaners came to put them on the bed like two weeks later. And I was like, so I don't know how to say this politely, but these kinds of things are where we like really get defensive with each other, which is only happens as we had a child that we get really snippy with each other about like these kinds of uh, comments. So I was like, I don't know how to say this in a polite way, but I'm wondering, could you maybe fold the sheets? Could that be part of washing the sheets is folding them, not just having them be in this massive pile. So they're ridiculously wrinkled when the cleaners put them on the bed. And also like, we're kind of in a place of privilege to even have someone making the bed. So really like folding the sheets should not be that big of a deal. But I knew that he was going to be like serious or I assumed he was going to be like, are you kidding me? Like I have to fold them too. And like, so, and you're right. It was that expectation of like, am I worth it to you? And how do I frame this in a nice way so that it doesn't seem like I'm attacking you? And you do get into all these like nuances of your marriage and your communication styles and you're like, really like all this just to get the sheets folded? Like, oh, just keep them in a pile. I don't even care. <laughs> mm. My favorite thing around that is asking every time like it's the first time. Oh, that's good. So like if I were you, what I would do is I'd be like, oh, hey, honey, I realized something and I want to have a do over. <laughs> and then you say, yeah. He's like, oh, when we agreed that you were going to do the sheets, I realized I left this piece out. And the other, like the final piece was like washing them, drying them, folding them, and then putting them away. How's that sound? You still on board? Okay, cool. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I also am wondering if anyone else is like, yes, seriously, this, you actually do have to give a partner four steps to washing the sheets because otherwise it won't get done. Well, I, you know, I've been doing a lot of studying too of like the sort of differences between men and women in terms of like men uh, tend to be really singularly focused and it's, mm. it's not that they're trying to be jerks right. or no, and they, I did, that's you know, the like, thing is like, I feel like he thinks like, oh, I'm doing such a great favor to the family by washing the sheets. And then I'm like, no, actually you're not <laughs> like, but I don't want to like, I want to recognize like, thank you. This is so great. Also like the whole thing about like needing to like be really appreciative. And I'm like, do I get all that much appreciation for washing Vinny's clothes? No. But anyway, like wanting to acknowledge like, this is really great that you're doing this, but also like, can you do it all the way? Yeah. 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 And I think unfortunately part of that is like being as explicit as you need to be yeah. to get it done the way that it's going to make you feel satisfied. Totally. Totally. So what is one of the core reasons or what is the core reason that women tend to feel disempowered in their relationships? So going back to the like, Hey, will you love me? <laughs> right. That seems to be the struggle or the doubt that many women hold, right? Is whether many people hold, right? Whether they are worthy of the love that they are looking for. And so with women, it tends to play out in the way of, oh, he's not doing the thing I want him to do. Maybe I'm not making it easy enough. Maybe it's not palatable. So maybe I should make it easier for him to love me and then I can feel that love. So, you know, for example, for women who are dating, right, there's this whole modern woman take on, oh, I'll just text him because I'm a woman and it's the 
2018 and I should be able to like reach out to a guy if I want to. Well, that's true. But part of what happens in that dynamic, right, is that if a woman is constantly making herself available to a man, like, hey, what are you doing on Thursday? Did you want to go out for drinks? How about next Sunday? Do you want to have brunch? If she is constantly coming with the plans and doing all of the reaching and just making it an easy thing for him to say yes or no to, as opposed to him having to actually step forward toward it, mm-hmm. we're making it easy, right? And so what that is, is that's women taking responsibility for things that are not really theirs to take responsibility for. Right. 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 So when women get frustrated in relationships, it tends to be like finger pointing. He's not doing this. He's not doing that. He's not showing up in this way. He's not that. And when we concern ourselves with all of the things that our potential partner isn't doing or isn't doing to our liking, it usually means that there's actually some part of something that we should be doing for ourselves that we're not and we're busy focused on the other but it's not really a problem with the other it tends to be a problem with us Mm, that definitely makes sense so how can women move into a? I know you have kind of eight different things women can do to move into a place of power in their relationships and really take responsibility for that yeah I'll tell you I will tell you what they are yeah tell us and I know eight is a lot of things so you can kind of I'm not gonna say much about them yeah I was gonna say or if you there's one or two you want to dive into a little more deeply go for it Yeah. Okay. Leave that up to your discretion. Okay. That sounds good. So we already discussed this one um, a bit, knowing what you want, right? Like it is not anybody else's job to know what you want if you don't know. Mm. That's Uh. such a valid point. (laughs) Yeah. We expect that. We totally expect and hope that people will know what we want. Yes. And nobody, and people aren't mind readers. That's not a fair expectation. It is your life. You have to know what you want in order to be able to realize those things. The other is believing that the thing you want is possible, right? A lot of times we sort of look out for evidence of like, can I have it this way or can I have it this way? Instead of like holding for ourselves like, oh, this is how I want it. So I'm just going to believe that it is possible. Um, Having clear boundaries, uh, knowing what you are and aren't willing to do to have something. This one is a little bit I mean, it's not tricky. Being well-nourished, right? So it's your job to eat well, sleep well, exercise, do all of the things that optimize you for life. Interestingly enough, one of the things that I found through orgasmic meditation was how nourishing that practice is and how depleted our life force, if you will, tends to be from not enough like I don't want to say sexual activity, but there is this life force and sexual arousal are very similar, right? And so there's a nourishment that we all need, whether that comes from connection or actual like nutrients that we're putting in our bodies. And that's our job. It's our job to handle that stuff and to advocate for our own needs there and not to just wait for other people to be like, hey, can I give you a hug or whatever that thing is? Really managing your mind to act from your highest self, right? So when we have the fears or limiting beliefs, things that we don't think we can do or don't think we can have, we are responsible for setting that right and untangling the things that are in the way of us getting what we want. How you show up in the world and what your interactions are like. So, you know, like we talked about the plight of the independent woman, like you showing up in the world with lots of protective mechanisms around you is one way to do it. The other way is to be vulnerable and share really like what's in your heart and what's at your core. 
and know that there's a difference between how people respond to both of those. Um, you can't expect somebody to know what's in your heart if you're not willing to show them. Right. And then creating agreements and teaching people how to work with you. So that was sort of what we talked about just now with your husband. Like if you want him to wash the sheets that like that you're willing to share with him, like what your expectations are for that so that he can buy into the thing that you're really asking for, as opposed to buying into like some nebulous idea about what that might look like. Right. I love the idea of training people as well, because it's actually really comforting if you know exactly what someone wants. Like I'm thinking of flipping it, like being in my husband's perspective, from my husband's perspective, if he knows exactly what I want, then he knows what to do to make me happy. And that makes it so much easier for him. And also I'm happy as a result. Like it's, it's a win-win. And I think that we often, especially in marriage and especially in marriage after kids, we don't train each other well, and then we're cranky and bitter and that can be really hard. And I think that's probably where a lot of the breakdown in communication comes from is that like we have expectations. We want things to just happen without that training piece being there. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky, wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. Exactly. And, you know, there's a lot of people who are like, why should I have to? And well, it's like, well, do you want to be mad about it? Or do you want to actually have it the way you want right. it? <laughs> so my mom, actually, this was a really interesting thing that happened. My mom had a minor heart attack like a year and a half ago. And after that happened, she said, and she's always been someone who's like, well, I don't want to bother you and just call me when you can. But then she'd be like, you haven't called me in 10 days. And then I'd be mad at her because I was like, I can't believe you're counting the days. <laughs> Who does that? Mm-hmm. So she said to me after this heart attack, she's like, you know, I need to just be more forward with what I want. And so I want for my birthday this year, I want to go on a trip with you and your sister, which we ended up going to Las Vegas to see Celine Dion per her request. And she's <laughs> like, and I want to talk to you every Sunday. And I was like, awesome. 
Like, and it was actually so freeing because I was like, okay, great. Like Sundays at five. Perfect. I don't have to think about every day. Like how many days has it been? And should I call her? And how am I going to squeeze it in? And now it's turned into this really fun, like every Sunday I get a glass of wine and I sit on my steps and FaceTime with her. And I know it's the highlight of her week. And it's something that I will like when she, when something happens to her and she's gone, it will be like probably the most valuable experience that we've had together since I moved out of the house 20 some years ago. So it was so great for her to just say that rather than being like, call me when you can and whenever you have time and I don't want to bother you. I was like, I will say at first I was kind of like, oh my gosh, every Sunday really, but it's been really freeing and so positive. And so I, I think that's just one example of like, setting expectations and telling people what you want and being assertive and and taking responsibility for that. I'm so grateful that she did that. Well, and you know, it's interesting because also when you get to that place of like being able to say what you want, you bring something to yourself where when you are willing to speak the words out loud, like I want you to call me once a week, basically what she was saying to you was like, I know I'm worth it. Like, I know I'm worth this time investment. And so even if you had said no in that case, she would have felt more empowered than if she had just been waiting for you to decide when you wanted to call her. Right, right. That's beautiful. I love that. Yeah, it's a good one. It's it's turned out really good. Awesome. One more is um, whether you're in it or not, your level of commitment, right? Like you are responsible for how fully you decide to invest or not invest in any given relationship that you're in. I like and that. you know, like the giveaway secret is like, if you're always giving yourself an out, you're never going to be in it. So there's that. <laughs> there's that. <laughs> and really like recognizing that and taking responsibility. I know that there was a really a friendship that I had at one point where like every time we would try to get together, it was like literally we would make the plan and then I'd be like, Oh my God, how am I going to get out of this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then like, you know, two days later being like, well, actually I'm going to need to cancel, reschedule, whatever. And this was, a, I mean, this was like in my twenties, I think in my, maybe in my late twenties that this was happening. So it was a long time ago, but I remember thinking like something's not right. If you're trying to, and you're right. Like I realized at a certain point I was like, I can't prioritize this relationship because it's not a relationship that I want or need to have in this year, let alone in five years or 10 years. So why would I like, I don't need to keep making these commitments to it. Yeah. The thing is you can always reevaluate your commitment, but like having half of a commitment is a waste of energy. Totally. It's a waste of time and energy. It's like, and especially for moms and you know, like everyone listening to this show is so busy that if I'm saying yes to this thing that I'm like 30% in on and it's taking up, you know, three hours every few weeks, then there's like so many other things I'm saying no to that I could be spending that time on. And that's not fair for to me or anyone else involved. And so yeah, like that discernment and responsibility and acknowledgement, I think is so important. Mm -hmm. Because once you say yes to then you're actually responsible for making it into the thing that you want it to be. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Okay, so let's circle back to the current non relationship that you shared with (laughs) (laughs) you shared about. So tell us just a little bit about how everything that you've been through in the last few years and how long has it been since you started the orgasmic meditation? Five years. Okay. Five years. So in that five years, how did like starting there get you to the point that you could approach someone and be like, Hey, so I want to wake up next to you every day and brush teeth together every (laughs) night and like all that. And like, how do you get that? 
and I know there's like a lot of things in between, but just kind of connect some more of the dots for us to bring us back to present day. Sure. Well, we all have preferences. We all have natural places of safety and desire that we gravitate towards. So, well, the first thing, I guess, the first sort of concrete step was it started to change my life so profoundly that I decided I wanted to be able to teach it because I was just like, uh, people need to know about this. And so I went through a program to learn how to teach it. And there were some things that we did through the course of the program. One of those things being something called relationship research, where we had to basically take an inventory of all of our intimate relationships over, you know, however far back we could go. And we had to look at the places where we disconnected from our partner and the things that we did when we felt confronted or scared or angry or suppressed particular emotions. And then you got to look at it all on a piece of paper and be like, well, there are some really clear patterns here. (laughs) And so then we were asked to enter into relationship research with a partner. And that partner, you know, didn't have to be someone we were interested in romantically, but basically we got to look at the things that were patterns. We get to choose one or two or three. And over the next 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, I did mine for 90 days, I think. I got to look at the patterns of things that I did repeatedly in relationships that I was actually blaming on partners, but it was all about the way I was showing up. So, you know, one of the things that I confronted actually was this idea that like motherhood wasn't sexy and that when I was in mom mode, I just wasn't that sexy. I didn't feel attractive. And so I wasn't letting men into my life as a mother. I didn't want people to see me in that way. I just didn't feel all that attractive. And so like I had this experiment going with this man where like every day when I was like, I think my kiddo was probably five at the time. I don't know. And I was in mama mode. Like I would snap a selfie like right before we were about to go like do mom and kid stuff and send it to him. And, you know, he would respond. And like it was a way to see that the thing I thought wasn't true. Mm. And so when you start to push the boundaries of what you think is true to really land on what is, you know, some of us think we think we know what's true for us because that is the place we have always been. Yes, totally. And then we start to expand a little bit and you're like, oh God, I should probably go back to that place that feels safe again. Or you can expand so much that you have a real um, sense of what is actually center for you. And so I pushed a lot of boundaries. I did an experiment of living with a man for a year because I didn't think that I could have a partner and be a mom at the same time. And he was in a similar situation of having been a single dad for a number of years and had sort of cut off relationships from his life because he didn't feel like he couldn't bring consistency to his relationships. And so we lived together and like joined our lives together. And it was insane. (laughs) Living together as like as roommates or as romantic partners? So we weren't romantic partners, but we were partners in every other sense of the word. Okay. Like we were negotiating domestic duties and we were practicing orgasmic meditation together as well. So there was an element of intimacy there that had come from that practice, but you know, like we weren't having sex. Okay. (laughs) And I didn't call him my boyfriend. I dated people while I was doing it, but, but I was very much in a partnership with him. Okay. (laughs) This is good. This is so like, I'm totally fascinated by this. I love that it's funny to me that at the beginning of this conversation, I'd be like, wait, you were like 
doing orgasmic meditation with someone, but not in a relationship with them. But now that like, now that we know all about that, I'm like, okay, cool. Got it. So moving right along. (laughs) (laughs) Totally makes sense. Yeah. Right. Okay. So you have kind of taken these steps then over time, but also, I mean, I don't know if it seems this way to you, but taking these steps over time that they're not small steps. (laughs) I don't know if they've felt so small. (laughs) They're like very baby step kind of very big transformational steps. We need to wrap up here in just a minute. So what can you tell moms who might be in that place of either being fiercely independent and maybe wearing it as a badge of honor or might recognize through some of the stuff we've talked about today that they have suppressed big parts of themselves, their lives, their preferences, whatever. What can you tell them about like one step that they can take? to start exploring a little bit beyond where they're at right now. Mm, that's really good. That's maybe not like just go find some orgasmic meditation. <laughs> right. I'm sure people, some people listening might want to do that, but I think there might be like less scary steps. Too. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so like I was saying, you know, there are things that feel safe and we tend to stay there. And oftentimes we make up really good reasons why we're in that location. Right. right? And so for example, as a mom, you always pick up your kids from school every day. Try, like it can be a super tiny tweak, right? Like I am, you negotiate with your partner. I need you to pick up the kids from school this week. You don't have to say why, like it doesn't have to be a big deal. And the thing that is most important in that experiment is not whether your partner says yes, but it is the ways that you are uncomfortable as it unfolds. Mm, It's a place where you get to see yourself and your own reaction. And that like where there is like extreme reaction or like severe uncomfortability is the place where you probably need some attention. Right. So if it's not picking up your kids from school, it's like, you know, for the next 24 hours, I'm going to say no to every single thing. Mm. It doesn't have to be big. It's just do something different than what you usually do and do it consistently enough, like in a pattern that you can watch it for a period of time, you know, maybe 24 hours if it's something intense, maybe a week if it's something a little bit less intense or that has fewer opportunities and see what happens. Don't see what happens around you. See what happens within you. Oh, I love that. That's such a great piece of advice and a, a really great tip to just starting to take one step. Okay. So this has been so good. I'm so grateful that you came on the show, that you were so open about this, that you shared your experience and you were just really vulnerable and honest and open about everything that you shared. So where can we find you? How can we connect with you? How do you work with people? All those kinds of things. My website is rachelpaws.com. Okay. Um, We'll have this all linked up in the show notes for those of you listening. And on my website, on my homepage, there's opportunity to sign up for a guide that will give you an idea of things that you might be doing in your everyday life that will be setting you up to settle in your next relationship. Mm -hmm. So things like if you get the wrong dinner at a restaurant and you don't ask to have it sent back and remade, like you're probably going to settle in your next relationship. Oh my gosh. Um, And there's so many people (laughs) more in depth than that, but there's some pretty core indicators there. Yeah. So go get that if you want it. And um, I'm also on Facebook at Rachel Paz Coaching. Got it. Okay. And that's all I do because I don't do anything I don't want to do. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I love it. 
in terms of working with me, if, um, if you heard something today you want to know more about, um, you can shoot me an email through my website or sign up for my newsletter and you'll find out about how to be in touch with me that way. I love it. So I want to really invite people who I'm sure there's a lot of people who listen to this. People might've even turned it off where they're like, what? She's talking about that? Like, I want people who really had a severe reaction to this and maybe felt like horrified to be the ones to really consider that maybe this is something that it should could open a door for you. Because I think that potentially the people who were the most shocked, blown away and closed minded to this might be the people who have the biggest struggles with repressing things or suppressing things and maybe the hardest time speaking up for themselves, asking for their own, you know, asking for what they need, being vulnerable, all those kinds of things. Would you agree? Yeah. And to be really clear, my coaching practice is not about orgasmic meditation. It's a way that I've pulled the principles of the practice into real life in an applicable context to the whatever it is that you're up to in your relationships or parenting or in your job that where you can bring some of those principles into real life without having to take your pants off. So don't feel like that's part of it if that was really confronting. Thank you for clarifying that. I think that's a great point. Yes, totally. That people can go down that route if they want to while working with you, I'm sure, but that doesn't need to be, that's not part of everything that you do. No, so I totally appreciate sure. that. Very yeah. important <laughs> clarification. Okay. This has been so awesome and so insightful. And I really appreciate you being here, Rachel. And we're going to, I might get some questions after this and I might have to have you like come back on for a Q and a sometime down the road. I love it. That would be so fun. <laughs> this was really, really fantastic. So thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. It's been fun, Sarah. Thank you so much for spending time with me today in the Shameless Mom Academy. I really, really appreciate you being here. If this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you get all episodes as soon as they're released and you never miss an episode. You can do that by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash review. That will drop you into Apple Podcasts where you can click on the little subscribe button. While you're there, please also rate and review the show. Let me know what you loved. Let me know in what ways you are a shameless mom. And remember, Shameless Mom of the Week nominations come from our reviews. So if you want to be nominated, you got to leave a review. So make sure you leave a review over at shamelessmom.com forward slash review. And lastly, share this episode with other shameless moms in your lives. The way the show grows and the way we build our community is by you all spreading the word. So take a screenshot of this episode, share it on social media, tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Instagram or Facebook. I will make sure I reply as quickly as I possibly can, sending you lots of loves and shout outs. And I can't wait to connect with you there. Until next time, have a great day. And remember, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt 
free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.